Hello! Welcome to the Mind Buzz Podcast. I am your host, Matt Damwasag, and we are here for episode number two in our business psychology programming with none other than Shauna Schuster. Hello! In our first episode, we were talking about burnout. This is a bit of a hot topic conversation. We're seeing all over social media. We're hearing business talking about it a lot. And the point we really wanted to drive home in our first episode was that it's a real thing. It's not made up. It's not some excuse. There's nothing genetically wrong with you. You're not weaker than anyone else. There is real burnout and there's a lot of different manifestations of it, a lot of different symptoms, a lot of different causes. And and again, in that first episode, we really were kind of driving home one of the causes, which uh, is feelings of responsibility. And we're still going to be touching on that cause a little bit today, but we're going to go over a lot of different other reasons. Um, So yeah, Shana, why don't you just kind of give us a little bit of an insight into what we're going to be doing today? Yeah, so I spend a lot of time um, coming up and researching and from my own experience listing um, a lot of different causes of burnout. And some of them are obvious. Workload tends to be one that comes up immediately. Um, and you see it in all sorts of industries, sales, farming, all of those kinds of ones where it's like you have really high seasons of really busy interactions, lots going on. And then you have low seasons and workload is sometimes just part of the job. And other times it's something you can actually do something about, maybe space out, plan out better and stuff. But um, particularly, I like to talk about the people who are stuck in a workload overload for certain times during the year and how they manage it. I mean, accountants, don't talk to them in April. (laughs) Farmers don't ask them to like change their schedule in the summer (laughs) and sales. It's like you're on a hot streak and then it kind of fizzles out. Um, Workload tends to be huge, 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 huge in um, burnout because you're just trying to power through. Totally. We, We get a lot of phone calls from like various industries right before the busy season, which is great, right? So they're clearly learning and they're trying to improve upon previous seasons or not have the insane amount of turnover right after last year's busy season ever happen again. And so we often are coming into doing these uh, corporate um, culture audits and need analyses that we do, really trying to help people understand burnout more and to create systems that still maintain or improve productivity, but without needing to emotionally or physically like burn yourself out to kind of hit those goals. Yeah. I mean, I can't just tell like an agricultural or a farmer that, Hey, like, you know what, in August, you just take the day. Do you know what? It's fine. Just take a day to yourself. Like it's not going to happen. Just like, I can't tell, you know, a car salesperson to just be like, you know what? It's good. A lot of times your income literally depends on it. And so it's just not an option. And so in those spaces, what can you actually do about it? And one thing I will say is that I have found people are now more willing to reach out sooner because we do get a lot of calls right before busy season now, but we used to get those calls halfway through busy season or right after busy season when everybody quit. Yeah. So like, don't, don't quit your job. Like, If you've been listening to these podcasts and are like, oh my God, that's me. That, that must mean that like my workplace is like a toxic environment or like, it's not good. For me. Don't, don't do that. Stop. Yeah. It's just like, there's lots of variables to consider. And like, maybe you're the drama. If you consider maybe you're the drama, maybe you're the reason why you are experiencing burnout. So please don't jump to any conclusions that, oh, if I'm feeling symptoms of burnout, that means that my workplace is bad for me. No. 
Yeah. That's one possible reason. <laughs> Oftentimes I'm the problem, right? <laughs> and so having like the wherewithal to be like, wow, I'm in a busy season and this is worse than last busy season or I'm in a busy season and actually this is better than last time. What did I do differently is really important because oftentimes it gets busy, you get a nice Christmas rush or something goes on and then January, everybody decides they're going to look for new jobs. 100%. And- <laughs> I, I know this is a bit of a hot take, but um, just to kind of give another example, I, I truly believe that like in a relationship, unless it's very obvious that someone is like the person that is creating all of the drama that, you know, when you look at roles, there's typically more of a dominant personality and more of a passive personality. And it's very easy to look at more of the dominant personality uh, with a strong Stronger personality and go like, oh, they're the reason why there are issues in the relationship. But in my opinion, it is 50-50 responsibility. Because if you're more that passive person that, you know, is like, well, you know, I'll just, I won't bring it up or I don't want to ruffle any feathers or I don't want to create any conflict. Like by you not saying anything to your partner, to your boss, to your coach, as long as you know they're not a snap show, it's like they don't actually know what you're thinking, what you're feeling, what kind of strategies or assistance that you need to help with your performance, to feel validated, to be seen. So that's why we're saying, please don't quit your job. Like this might just be an opportunity to have a conversation with someone Mm -hmm. to let them know that you've been feeling this way. And maybe very likely unintentionally, they have been creating an environment that has made it easy for you to kind of feeling burnt out. I like to remind people, I use the example in sports a lot, but like the ref didn't wake up and decide to call (laughs) the worst game ever. Like they didn't wake up and be like, I'm going to ruin the Oilers or the Flames lives today. Like, (laughs) let's make it that they, they think they're doing the right thing. Right. And so I like to remind people also like is that a feeling you've assigned to that person do you think your boss is trying to burn you out or do you think that maybe you're just telling yourself oh that's what they want or they have malintentions and it's tricky because it's like a form of negative self-talk but it's so sneaky it gets in there and so i would really recommend um i believe yours is with kayla where you talk about language and things like that because it catches in your own brain even and it might not feel like I should quit my job is like a negative self-talk, but it's almost like, let me just blow up my life for a second <laughs> and reset. And then when I reset, everything's going to be all better. I've done that. It didn't work, but I tried. <laughs> um, the next one, I mean, we talked about being responsible last yeah. time a little bit, but I think part of what that goes with is control and autonomy. Mm. So there's a balance in work between when people need autonomy and when they need to be managed. And the issues often come when people are being micromanaged or completely left on their own, and probably they'll figure it out. And it causes a lot of issues, and those lead to burnout largely because there's a balance between like self-determination. We talk a lot about where it's like, I'm going to decide to do this and I need control of this versus at some point a boss or someone may need to step in and be like, hey, these three things weren't finished. Like, let's have some accountability here. Yeah. And actually, that's that's so funny. That reminds me of of a story. Um, I, have, I have a new barber and I've actually only seen him twice, but he's a great young kid. He, I think he's only 24 years old. Um more recent Canadian, him and his family are from India. I think he's been in Canada for about seven years now. So I just really like, you know, getting people's um, you know, perspectives and opinions that have lived 
two completely different lives in a sense. And we were talking about the, the cultural differences between like more collectivist, um, you know, family money, family home, like everything is, is more like shared and experienced together as opposed to like North America's desire to have all of the privacy, all of the autonomy, <laughs> like, but what has happened is that that autonomy has been bastardized and it's actually a seek and a need for control that is causing a lot of like mental health um, issues in our society. I mean, even my barber had noted that that he after a couple of years here is like what is with all of this anxiety and depression like we don't we don't have these things like back at home and we know it's because of disconnection whether it's disconnection from self or disconnection with other people to place to environment to you name it our intense desire to have autonomy is not actually autonomy it is control and we need to be able to understand that it is actually in the in the collective, in the community of like doing things together and, and getting help from other people that we can be our best. And you will literally see decrease in your mental health symptoms if you are plugged into communities or people who are able to kind of help you in return. Um, like coming up, I have lists and lists of things that can help. And one thing that people always say is like, find a support, find a support. And in a world of autonomy... That's not always an easy thing to yeah. do. So, and we will talk about that. Um, but I think it's also important to realize when autonomy is needed and also when to just suck it up and mm. like ask for help and come out and let go of the control because I get it. I love to be in control of things and nothing <laughs> has taught me I'm not in control of things quite like my clients and my kids and things like that. Totally. Um, so just being aware of that and as an employer, it can be really difficult to find the balance between who needs what. I would just have the honest conversation because you know what? Just like I can't be like, I know my boss is thinking this. I can't assign them their emotions. You can't really guess what your employee yeah. is thinking either because yeah. even if you know them really well, you can't read their minds. Totally. What? <laughs> Probably one of my it might actually be in my top three favorite moments ever as a therapist happened like two weeks ago. I was working with um, a client that I've been seeing for about five-ish months now. And I mean, they're doing amazing. Like they're taking everything as tried. They've made so many improvements and, and they're really like eager to come in and do the work. And we were doing some uh, some EMDR, some eye movement, desensitization reprocessing. You'll hear us mention this a lot. Mm -hmm. It's a tool we use with all of our clients to process um, old narratives that are no longer helping <laughs> us. Um, and he came out of like processing and we kind of looked at each other and he's like, am, am I a control freak? <laughs> Every feelings just start laughing. And I don't know what made me, you know, think to do this, but I was like, you know who the one person is that might be able to tell us? Your partner. <laughs> so we both got a chuckle out of it. And then they actually called their partner. And so and brave so of them. In the session, um, he he puts his partner on speakerphone. He's like, I'm with my therapist. He has a question for you. I was like, Yeah, um, is your partner a control freak? And immediately <laughs> just starts laughing hysterically and we're like well i guess that's our answer and we had this really like beautiful interaction and and for them i think it was really uh like a healing moment of like just kind of naming something there that maybe they weren't able to name but i mean yeah it's so easy in north america to get to that place where we feel like we have to have control to 
be safe, to perform as well as we want, for things to go the way that we want. But it's it's a lie. It's an illusion. And it's creating our mental health. Yeah. <laughs> I love that, especially because um, as employees of various places, I'm sure many of you are like, oh, my boss is the control freak. Oh, yeah. my person micromanages or oh, whoever down the few offices away makes me so annoyed because they're always checking in. Um, that's a perfect example that they might not even know they're totally. doing it. Totally. <laughs> so just give everybody a little bit of slack here. Um, one thing we work with our clients a lot is uncontrollables because there are more of those than there are actual controllables. And so when it's coming to control and autonomy in the workplace, and if you're struggling with burnout or you can feel it coming, or maybe you're already deep into it, I actually have people list out all the things in a situation that is completely out of their control. And it usually starts off with like one here and like, eh, maybe, maybe this is out of my control. By the end, they can have 200 things. And I'm like, look at all of those. Like that's such a big list. And you can look at it and be like, oh, I'm spending a large amount of my time worrying about what Sally down the hall is saying. I actually have no control over that. And so I'm kind of wasting my own time. And it's a little bit eye-opening to really lay out like um, what actually is. Even silly things like where your office is. Mine's yeah. right by the kitchen. That means that people are walking past it all the time. That means that my little ADHD brain is like, oh, look, <laughs> something fun. <laughs> and I can't focus. So then what's in your control about that? Okay, headphones. Okay, close the door. Okay, tell people, hey, I need like my little introvert couple minutes and then I'll be fine. 100%. So even like that simple exercise, when we look at the three uh, main causes that we've talked about so far um, that lead to burnout, which are feelings of responsibility. Um, workload. Yeah, significant workload or too much or not enough autonomy. The reason why we kind of disperse away from that healthy medium is often because of the feeling of needing of control. And without doing like a practical exercise like that to actually look at all of the things that I try to actually control that I find myself concerned about that I worry about and get it all on a list. You're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I can see why I'm a bit tired trying to solve problems that have no solutions that involve me whatsoever. <laughs> mm -hmm. I see it every single day and writing them down might feel uncomfortable, but like it's eye-opening to yeah. be like, wow, here's 400 things out of my control and 10 in. And for some of you, you're like, no, no, no. Like, I need to be in control of everything. Yeah. Me too. I yeah. get it. 100%. <laughs> but um, it helped me understand, like, this is a hill I should die on versus, like, this probably isn't worth my time, right? <laughs> and along with that, with the autonomy and control and stuff comes reward and feedback. So something that management teams spend millions and millions of dollars on is like, oh, how do I give feedback to my team? How do I be an effective leader? How do I develop them? And my easy answer slash hard answer is like, well, it depends. And people <laughs> don't like that. But um, understanding that rewards and how things are being fed to you, whether feedback or criticism, is going to be part of burnout. If you have a boss who does not know how to say thank you or says thank you in a different language than you understand, maybe they say thank you by, you know, bringing treats to the office, but in your brain, you need to be outright said you did a good job. It's way easier to feel burnt out because you just don't feel valued. Right. And I'm sure we've all had experiences where you're in an office and it's just like, what am I even doing? Like, do they even know I'm here? <laughs> totally. And, and really what this conversation is about is, uh, about love languages. Mm -hmm. So we know, uh, 
with love languages that there's typically one way in which we prefer to uh, experience appreciation. And we also have a dominant way in which it's easier for us to show it. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes as a leader, we are really great at like giving gifts or doing words of affirmation, just verbally affirming people all the time, or actually, you know, gifts as in like money bonuses, things like that. Or maybe, you know, you spend a lot of one-on-one time with people and like make them feel like they're valued and you're there for them, or you do something for them. You take care of a task or you have someone else help them with the project. Like all of these are different ways to be able to like show appreciation and support to people. But it's important to know as a leader, what is my strength, but what do my people actually need? Like long gone are the days of like my team needs to adjust to my leadership style. Mm -hmm. We need to adjust to all of the diverse, complex people on my team to actually see this team thrive as much as it can. And it tends to be that these kind of rewards and things that we feel are just part of kind of how we've developed and what happened when you were a kid and all that kind of stuff. Like I know people in our office hate words of affirmation. Yeah. <laughs> right? So many. And we sit around and we say nice things at our staff <laughs> meetings and you can just see the like uncomfortable, like cringe. It's like, Oh God, it's my turn. But that's how you're showing it. And then yeah. we all understand that's how you're showing it. Right. So it takes yeah. a moment. So even when it's really uncomfortable, we get it. But also, maybe that means your team isn't receiving it, right? So in our tiny office, obviously we understand each other. We talk about these things very openly. We talk about our feelings. <laughs> um, but if you're in a big corporate office and that's not something you can do, and all of a sudden your boss is like, I'm going to tell you what you did good and what you did wrong and things like that, it can feel like like an attack. You might go onto the defense and it's going to really lead to burnout because now you're worried about what they're going to think all the time out of your control. You're going to be worrying about what they're going to give you next out of your control and all mm -hmm. of these things. And so I usually tell leaders, I'm like, be really clear. Ask them straight up, how do you like to be rewarded? Exactly. Do you like words of affirmation? Do you like gift cards? Some of you are like, I want all of those things. <laughs> but like, it has to be clear because me walking in and giving my employee like a Starbucks gift card like that's not something you would necessarily respond to that's not no, you'd be like do it for me. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's important to like check in on that um along with that is community and culture there's a reason we talk about the touchy feelies in our office we have a culture that it's okay to be like you know i'm gonna let you say these nice things about me and i'm gonna hate every second of it but i understand you need it and i will hear it because i do need it even though it makes me uncomfortable even like this morning like there were many tears in the office oh, this morning. morning. It was a rough morning here, but like, um, you know, it's taken a couple of years for, for certain people to, you know, bring those walls down to know that mm -hmm. it's like a safe place. Cause we had mentioned that in our first episode, it just takes time sometimes, but like, oh my God, there were tears everywhere this morning. <laughs> first aid kits have come out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was a rough morning here. And if you are someone who wants to be kind of on your own and hide those things and things like that, that's fine. But if the people around you don't know that, then knock, knock, knock. They're coming to check in on you. Yeah, how are you doing? Are you okay? Two minutes later, hey, how are you doing? Are you okay? And you're like, leave me alone. <laughs> but other people, you'd leave them alone. They'd be like, they don't even care about me. They're not even checking in on me. So 100%. that's really important to know. And I have, um, especially hockey goalies, the most suspicious people. They're such a group of their own. Oh, yeah. That I'm like, you need to tell these people what you want. And one kid's like, don't touch my pads in the dressing room ever. And I was like, are there any exceptions? He's like, no, 
Like, it, <laughs> no. And I'm like, okay. But his team doesn't know that. So they're like hitting yeah. their sticks on his chins and doing all these things. And it's like so unintentional that they're driving him crazy. Right. And so just check in. Um, fairness is huge in burnout. Um, most workplaces aren't fair. Life yes. isn't fair. Yes. But also it kind of goes with controllables about like, is this something I can do something about? Or is this about to just be useless? And especially as a woman in the workplace or a minority, extra susceptible to to that kind of burnout because it's not fair most of the time, right? Yeah. So I think to, to Shauna's point, stop thinking that that's what you should be experiencing, mm -hmm. okay? Fairness is is a myth. Yeah. I wish it's just not real. Like it's not real. And so do we strive for fairness? Of course. But like for th things to just simply be fair, that's not a thing. Mm -hmm. Right? We have again moving targets. We're constantly trying to adapt and change, especially like in a in a elite performance environment, in a high pressure uh, workplace environment. Like fairness should not be one of your focuses that you're like stressing about every single day, oh, that's mm -hmm. not fair, oh, then that's not fair. Because then you will just be looking for and creating situations at work that are totally innocuous. And you're going to be labeling them as, oh, that's unfair. And that will lead to burnout as well. Your brain is just pointing what to look at. Yeah. Find all the unfair things. Well, that's going to be a long list too, right? Yeah. So I am not saying don't stand up for yourself. I am yes. not saying these things. What I am saying is if things aren't fair, what can you do about it? You not what am I going to let everybody else do about it? Boom. Right. So if you're having that battle, list out all your uncontrollables, literally what is making it not fair? What can you do about it? Good. Go do it. And <laughs> <laughs> um, I believe the second episode that Kayla and I um, had about language, we were talking about the theory of locus of control mm, yeah, where like, do I have an internal locus where, you know, I, there's always something that I can do no matter what is happening around me as opposed to external where there's this subconscious process of information where it feels like everything unfortunate that is happening is happening to me. Mm -hmm. The bad things are happening to me, at me, because of me. You're not the center of the universe and there is always something that you can do about it. And and the point that Sean is driving home is like, go back to the controllables. What can I actually do about the situation that's clearly upsetting me? Mm -hmm. And then maybe I actually have a plan of action and, and a conversation that might be difficult, but that might alleviate all this unnecessary stress because there just isn't enough communication. Yeah. So yeah, just figure out where you are on that that locus theory. So yeah, we all know the person who everything is unfair in their life. Yes. Like you don't need to be that. Don't be that person. <laughs> um, there's two more that are huge. One is motivation, which I think we maybe touched on, but like you don't always need to be internally motivated. It's okay to need a reward from your work. If your boss is like, well, the work is reward enough, <laughs> like garbage, like it's not, <laughs> right? A lot of times people are like, well, why do you work here? And it's like, well, they pay me and I need to live. I get that too. Yeah. Um. But part of that motivation then is, you know, and what I usually work with people on a lot is like, why? Why are you here? Why are you doing this? What is the point behind it? And if you have burnout and you have a big why, you can usually take the steps to to heal. And if you have burnout and you have no why, you're just kind of doing it just because it's a hustle culture and that's what you think you're supposed to do, you're going to have a harder time totally. with it. 
Yeah, and and the Y changes too. Oh, absolutely. Way more frequently than you would think mm-hmm. too, especially like if you are starting to have a family. I mean, without you consciously telling yourself this, subconsciously, your values are going to shift to stability, security, protection. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to want to feel like the job that you have can you know withstand the worst case scenario ever happening. So all of a sudden, your variable income sales job might feel like really risky, whereas before it, it was fun and mm-hmm. exhilarating and exciting and like adventurous. So the why changes. Again, don't leave your job if your why changes. <laughs> But maybe you can slightly change your role. Like maybe you can create backup plans in case the worst case scenario happens in your variable income. Um, always have a plan B, C. Don't be thinking about them every day, every second. Make the plans, put them in a closet, and then, or like a fire extinguisher, like break glass to open mm-hmm. in emergency, like have those ready for backup. Yeah. And I think that's a huge part of just overall confidence in yourself like confidence is proven again and again and again again self-esteem proven again and again to help combat burnout right and if you're confident in your plan and you're confident in what you're doing and you're confident in your controllables and stuff you're already combating your burnout and it's incredible to see the like mental side of burnout where people just suddenly feel like you said the locus of control is just everything is gone but if you've got some self-esteem which that's not such an easy thing to just say. Obviously, I can say you have self-esteem. Good for you. And it doesn't necessarily feel that way. But if you can find a why, that usually really aids the confidence. And that's going to be a huge part of burnout and leads very perfectly into role alignment, (laughs) which is the last like huge one that um, I think is known but a little overlooked. If your role at home and your role at work are in large conflict, That can be exhausting because you're almost having to switch personalities and type and who you are in different places. Um, Also, unbalanced needs kind of comes with the roles. So if you're looking at like project management, look at the roles of the sales team versus, you know, the deliverables versus what the schedule actually is. And all of those people have their own roles and their own jobs, and they're all in conflict. I promise your techs are tired, but Mm. your salespeople want to get more, right? Mm -hmm. The way that promotion works in the business world is with each promotion comes more people responsibility, Mm -hmm. right? You start doing less and less of the work that actually generates the day-to-day revenue and you begin to manage more the people that are doing those tasks. And what's interesting about that is that leadership is, is actually more of a personality tendency strength based on what your personality is not everyone is supposed to be a leader no. like, and it's not something that needs to also be put on a pedestal of like oh my goodness like that is the that is the ultimate or penultimate experience of life is to be like a leader like a large if that ain't you that ain't you but unfortunately we financially reward people who are better at managing people than things mm-hmm. and so a lot of, of you might be experiencing a lot of symptoms of burnout and a lot of stress because you love the thing that you do. You love the work that you do. But a lot of days you could do without the human race being around mm-hmm. you. And so as you advance in your career, you might find that you are less happy because your role is actually managing people and not actually doing the work that you love anymore. So 
um, you know, again, talk to whoever is your superior and be like, well, what does my ideal role look like? And is there a way that, you know, I can get what I need and you can still have me around, but, you know, doing things that I think are better for, you know, the business based on my strengths. Yeah. And in large corporations, it tends to be there's positions for everything and maybe it can just like adjust a little bit in tiny businesses. You maybe you have your hands in more spots. Maybe you can do a little bit different, but that's why you kind of tag team. I find where it gets a little bit sticky is in those medium sized businesses where it's like, we're not quite big enough to let you pick your role and to have this, but we're also not quite small enough that we had all of this, you know, extra time and ability and flexibility that we used to have. Mm -hmm. So if that's where you're at in that kind of medium sized, I would just suggest you have the conversation, even if it's like, it's what it's coming up soon that you maybe have a year end review, or maybe you have your like yearly meeting with someone and just be like, Hey, it's not that I don't want to do any of this, but it turns out like I kind of miss whatever. Like yep. um, just to pull from myself, I was a coach for a long time and I've been coaching soccer and lots of other sports and that was great and I loved it. And then that meant that they put me in front of the office and then I got to answer emails and answer the phone. And as that got more and more, because honestly I was good at it, I spent more time in front of the computer and less time in front of the kids and the parents. And all of a sudden I was like, oh, even though I'm good at this, I don't like this as much. So as a balance, I went 60-40. 60% I did have to be in front of the computer. I get that. But because I got the 40% still face-to-face with people, it wasn't quite as bad. And that 60% in front of the computer didn't feel as horrible because it just wasn't as much as it was. So there can usually be a happy medium as long as you know you need it because just because you're good at something doesn't mean you love it. I love that. Um, we were having a conversation uh, on the weekend about like leadership roles. And again, back to kind of what we were talking about, how like just because you're in a management role um, doesn't mean that you are all of a sudden supposed to know exactly how to like lead people. Mm-hmm. The last year that I coached um, uh, hockey, I think it's about nine years now. and it was just a co-coaching situation. There was only two of us, long story, as to where the other two bananas um, <laughs> dropped off. But so it ended up being two of us. And so, well, we had to find a way to divide those roles because that's a lot of work for two people. And, um, you know, in that year, we we ended up winning provincial. So like, there's this tons of cool stories to share about the year, but I planned three practices all year. Yeah, that tracks. Uh, that was not my role. <laughs> that is not my skill set. The um the main coach was doing all the planning, the the overseeing of like the large scale like things. And I was just with my homies. I was just one-on-one with my guys doing individual training during practices and talking to them before and after practices and like motivating them on the bench. My role was kind of more like that player's coach. And then um, Steve was managing like the team. And we needed both to yeah. have success. So like, even if you are in a manager like position, maybe you actually have someone on your team that is much better at being the charismatic, like extroverted, like people person, like make them feel important by giving them that additional role of like that being the one who checks in to see how the team is doing just because you're the manager. Um, 
doesn't mean that like you have to be the one that is always checking in with your people. If you don't have those skills, if they'll never be as good as someone who just naturally has them, then don't feel bad that you're not as good as it. Don't stop working at it. Don't stop trying to improve. But I think it's important to recognize like who, you know, the social studs are mm-hmm. in the office and to have those people given that kind of extra responsibility. Everybody has strengths and weaknesses and everybody's decide sometimes, well, I want that person's strength. Well, like I get it that person looks fun and outgoing and whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But I usually tell my teams and stuff, you can't have a team of all scorers because then no one will pass to them. Right. And so it sounds good. We want a whole team of everyone scoring and everyone is rushing and everyone's doing this. And I'm like, okay, well then you're not gonna have a goalie. So everybody needs to have their role in business. And I think when you're trying to force yourself into someone else's role or to suit a certain mold, that is going to be that role conflict. And that's going to be where I say, bing, 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 burnout. Oh dear. And we kind of have to watch for it. Um, as we like move forward into the next one and stuff, I, I think it'll be important to kind of go into like physical, emotional and mental sides of burnout. Cause now Mm -hmm. we've talked about it and I think we know a lot about it and we have more stories and stuff to tell, but, um, I want to get into a little bit of tools. So when you're like physically, emotionally and mentally burnt out, what the heck do you actually do about it? Other than just be like, I guess I have to come come have a conversation with my boss I don't want to have. <laughs> and, and that's exactly where I wanted to end today mm-hmm. is like, if we were to oversimplify everything that we've been talking about today, all the different reasons that lead to burnout, the first thing that you can do to prevent any one of those things from happening is just have the bloody conversation. As we avoid the difficult conversation, that's where havoc just wreaks. That's where mental health is nurtured and and loved and cuddled and it blossoms into taking medication every day. Like we need to learn how to have that initial difficult conversation so that expectations are clear, no assumptions are made, and we can go into our workplace knowing what our very small handful of controllables are and then just to execute that. But without having that initial difficult conversation or that a conversation just to clarify, um, it can create issues in the culture that years down the road, you're like, oh my goodness, how did we get here? Well, it's because a couple of people just didn't bother to have an important conversation. Like, it is literally like that. I'm not over dramatizing it. Like that is where it starts. So if you know that you're avoiding a conversation or avoiding telling someone that in the place that you were currently at is no longer fulfilling you, just have the conversation. Worry about what happens afterwards because at the very worst, you have a reality that you can actually deal with, not one of the 27 alternate realities that you've created in your mind and been running away from. I totally agree. Um, As someone who doesn't want to have the conversation, (laughs) you'll feel better after, I promise. Like it, It weighs on you, it weighs on you. And we can talk about the, I think next time we'll talk about somatic feelings associated with that. Yes. Um, the stomach aches and stuff. Just give yourself a second. And if you need to start off that conversation by saying, I'm having a really hard time exactly. having this conversation, exactly. please do. Then they know where you're coming from. It's vulnerable. I get that, but it'll it'll be heard. Yeah, that's fantastic. So that uh, brings us to the end of episode number two. And we're really excited to continue to talk about burnout just because it, it is so interconnected um, with 
all of the stress that we experience at work and at home. And we just want to bring clarity. And as Shauna alluded to, um, skills and early awareness Mm -hmm. in our coming episodes. So we really look forward to helping out with you guys for episode three, which uh, we'll have drop um, about a month from now. So we're looking forward to having you guys uh, sit in or drive or run or whatever you're doing while listening. And thanks so much for being a part of this conversation. Thanks so much. 